You're listening to the AID Network. Greetings, fellow citizens of Disneyland. I want to give you a quick heads up. Tomorrow night, as you may know, or you may have a ticket, burning a hole in your Disney app. Tomorrow night's Disney After Dark Star Wars event has been canceled, as has been celebration this weekend here in Anaheim at the Convention Center, as well as everything that's supposed to happen at the Convention Center, everything at Disneyland 2020, the epic year of the cancel. But I say this, of course, Disneyland will never be completed as long as there's imagination, but as long as there's imagination, Disneyland will never be closed. So therefore, I'm the captain now. Tomorrow night, over on Twitch, YouTube, I am putting together the three-hour celebration that is the Star Wars Disneyland After Dark event. It'll be kicking off at 7 p.m. Disneyland time and wrapping up at 10 p.m. Disneyland time. You can find it over on YouTube. The channel is Adventures in Design. Over on Twitch, it's AID Network. Yeah, I know it'd be convenient if they were the same. I'm dealing with so many obstacles. You have no idea how difficult it is to be me. But I tell you what, tomorrow night, if you show up for three hours, we're going to put together virtually the Star Wars event. And this is why these live streams are fun. You get enough people together that really love the park the way that you love the park and the community makes it feel real. We're getting together the 13th of each month as I'm forming the 1313 Club where the 13th of each month, me and our Disneyland community, we get together. And right now we're virtually going to the parks, but you know, one day we'll be back in the parks. So earlier this month, we did DCA day for eight hours. We rode nearly Every ride in DCA, watched a lot of the shows, had a really great time. And the fun part is just being with the Disney community, being with friends. And I promise you this, at the end of one of these streams, you will feel like you went to the park and you will felt like you were there with your friends. Tomorrow night, 7 to 10, Twitch or YouTube, check us out. It's the Star Wars After Dark Party. I'm bringing it back. Disneyland, I'm the captain now. Hey, Disney fans, do you have a Disney fan brand? Do you like to show your your fandom by making a limited edition merchandise for you and all of your friends? Or do you like to design a shirt for the family to wear to go out to the park? Did you know that you can do all this and save money and get free shipping by listening to this show? Head over to our sponsor, jackprince.com, where you can get site-wide discounts by going to jackprince.com slash C-O-T. That stands for Circle of Trust. And Jack Prince has been a supporter of Adventures in Design, the AID Network, and the Circle of Trust since the very beginning. And they pass that sponsorship over to you by giving you a discount site-wide. So whatever you're making for your fan brand, head over to jackprince.com slash C-O-T, save some money, get some free shipping, and who knows, maybe you'll discover a product to let you share your fandom with all your friends and fans. This is the story of a beautiful place known as the happiest place on earth. And all of its history, its secrets, and its tricks that you may find if your mind believes in design. And you allow your heart to believe in magic. Step inside and become a citizen of Disneyland. Greetings, fellow citizens of Disneyland. We go to the park because, sure, we like the attractions. And we go to the park because we like the merchandise. And when we're at the park, of course, we enjoy to eat the foods. But these little pieces of the puzzle are always somehow glued together 
by the land that they're in, the little chunk of Disneyland that is represented by an overall narrative, an overall theme, a signified architectural style that lets you know you're home and you're in one of your favorite neighborhoods of your hometown. Today on the show, Philander Butler joins me and we break down a list of 20 things that makes the perfect land at Disneyland. As you know, Philander Butler is a VIP tour guide for Disneyland. I am a Disneyland super fan aficionado. By the way, they're really close to getting the restraining order on me because I say, Bricky, you love the park too much. And to them, I say, I can never love it enough because it deserves all the love that it gets and so much more. So today, we put on our Imagineering hats, we look at the past of Disneyland, we look at the problems of the future, and we try to do creative problem solving on each of us. What is our own unique 10 items that we think makes the perfect land at Disneyland? And no matter how perfect the Imagineers make it, it's not perfect, friend, until we go there together. What do you say you close your eyes, go into your imagination? It's time to take another lap around Walt's original Magic Kingdom. Disneyland for Designers, episode 34 with Philander Butler. What it takes to make a perfect land at Disneyland. Philander, I want to welcome you to this space that the Disney Corporation has looked at me, and they go, look, Bricky, it's not fair. You have the smallest audience ever. In fact, <laughs> it's, it's downright embarrassing what you're doing to yourself. But we do see that the Bricky Mouse loves the park more than any other content creator. And Indeed. they said, is there anything that we can do for you? Because we see that you are fueled by the power of your imagination. <laughs> and I said, well, I could use a studio. And so they said... We got a full basketball court we're not using in the top of Matterhorn Mountain. So mm. we are now recording the show from the top of Matterhorn Mountain and the new Disneyland for Designers recording studio. I hope you guys enjoy the way that it sounds up here. I think it's pretty nice being up here. It's great being up here. The only bad thing is I haven't told you this yet. The only way down is Tinkerbell style. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> so, Philander, here we go. <laughs> so today we're going to be talking about what makes the perfect land? And I am so excited to have this conversation with you because I think you and I have a shared bond that a lot of the listeners uh, have picked up on. And, and, and a lot of people are thinking this way and they enjoy it. That, you know, the attraction is just a part of the day. But yes. the real experience is the park itself. And I think with Galaxy's Edge opening up a year ago which feels like a decade ago. I, I think that was a moment when a lot of people really started to think about land design mm -hmm. because that was a big one. I mean, I, I wasn't here at the time, but I would think going to Galaxy's Edge was probably bigger to most folks than walking through DCA the first time. Yeah. Just because it's the original park, it's it's. 14 acres. It had to fit in a tight thumbprint. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. It wasn't like they had unlimited land. They had a parking garage behind them, Toontown on one side, the Critter Country on the other, a river. I mean, they were boxed in. And so I think a lot of people really started thinking about land design uh, last year when they got to go into Galaxy's Edge. And there was a big debate. Does this feel like Disney? Does it not? Yes. Is it too removed? Is it, is it a, not a part of everything? And, and to what I say is, the land in my honest opinion, is actually 
too successful for most people to understand. That is, that's pretty fair. Yeah. yeah. It's interesting to see people when they look at Disney and the lands that are in like the park, they don't come that often and definitely not in 14 acre size. So getting like Mickey's Toontown back in the 90s, it's such a small thumbprint. And I think it's when Cars Land, Cars Land was kind of the start, but I really right. do think you're right in Galaxy's Edge where people are actually looking at what WDI can accomplish, you know, with a massive amount of space and an almost, you know, massive budget. And it's, yeah, people, yeah, there was so much criticism when I never can recall that prior because I don't remember anyone talking about that Cars Land like that. Right. Like that was just, here's Cars Land. We're just happy to have something new and exciting because we haven't had a new land since Toontown in 93 and Cars Land was 2012. So we're just happy to be here. Right. But now it's, it's Star Wars, and it's an IP, and it's in Disneyland, so now all this extra criticism comes out because it almost feels like an affront to Disneyland. Well, I also think, too, they reinvented the mold so much mm-hmm. that, you know, I walked in there, and, and I cannot compliment the company enough on how generous they were with Galaxy's Edge. Yes. And was a whole oh, Ricky, Disney being generous? <laughs> Are you insane on the COVID times? Well, let me explain it to you. They could have charged thousands mm-hmm. of dollars for premium access before everybody We else. were all waiting for that to come through. I Dude, was, mm-hmm. me and the Hammer Time guys, had <laughs> a, we kept raising the budget. First, it was like, I won't pay a dollar over 500 By the end of it, I was like, I won't pay a dollar over $2,000. <laughs> but they never did that. They never did a private uh, uh, event, although RIP tomorrow. <laughs> and... They could have, like, literally when I went in there on the first day, I said, this is incredibly generous of them because the way this land is designed, it could be an extra ticket. Like, it could literally be an extra admission, an extra ticket because it's so set off that it could literally be like, hey, it's this much go to Disneyland and you have to have this wristband to go in Galaxy's Edge. Like, it is that locked off from everything else. So, I really think that that was one that really blew people away. And there's a defensiveness with, with Disneyland. Yes. You know, Cars Land was just a straight-up premium upgrade. Mm-hmm. You know? DCA was a little rougher on the edges. And that was also a, a combination mill with the new Buena Vista Street and the the retheming of all of that. So it was just really taking something that people were like, eh, and making it a lot better. But I went to an event a year ago. I went to an event a year ago, like this past Monday. Mm-hmm. It was at the Anaheim Hotel across the street from Disneyland. And the idea was all of the people that were at Disneyland on opening day, they're getting pretty old. So let's do this event. Mice Chat put it on, and Mice Chat puts on great oh, events. Yes, they do. They put on this event, and it was the, it, they had a really, it was the, the they called them the. Uh, it was like the 55ers. Yeah, but they had mm-hmm. a really cool catch for it. It was like the, 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 the folks that settled Disneyland. Oh, okay. You know, the settlers. Mm-hmm. You know, they settled Disneyland, and I love that. So I went there by myself. Never been in a room for uh, full of more weirder people in my entire <laughs> life. Never seen so many humans that look like animatronics in my entire life. And um, when they started talking about Galaxy's Edge, Bob Gurr just started kicking dirt all over oh, it. Oh, my gosh. And it literally, it it turned into, like, a presidential rally. Like, <laughs> Everybody was so pumped to like boo and hiss Galaxy's Edge. Yeah. And I was standing in the back going, but I think that it's amazing. Mm-hmm. And, and, it, and it made so much sense to me. So, uh, you know, it was divisive, but it got a lot of people thinking about land design. So 
Here's what we're going to do. We don't know how many bullet points we have for you. Philander has a list of 10. I have a list of 10. You might get 20 things mm-hmm. that a land needs to, to be perfect or what makes a perfect land. Or you might get 10 because we might have the same <laughs> list. So everybody right now on a scratch piece of paper, write down how many bullet points you think you're going to get because we have no idea. You are the guest here in Matterhorn Mountain in my new recording studio. And by the way, it sounds so much better on that than you do on your AirPods. <laughs> That's good. Let me know what is your number one to make a perfect land. Number one, and you have brought this up prior, and I I wouldn't be surprised if it's on your list or not, but my number one is the corners that you always talk about. I do not want to walk into a land and see the entirety of it from the moment I step into it. Ooh, I I have it in a, different, it a different way. way. Okay. Must have perfect sight lines. Okay. So we're that's the same, right? You yeah. Think? It was. I think you've mentioned it before, but it's the nature of discovery that comes from not being able to see everything all at once. Right. Like when I look at, you stand on the other, like walking to Pixar Pier, you can see the entirety of the land, but the corners of New Orleans Square and Galaxy's Edge, when I have to make choices and I have to like wonder how far it goes, that bit of discovery is always a big deal to me. Like it, it almost beckons you to keep going further and further and it allows them to play with... Um, uh, WDI to play with like sight lines and uh, forced perspective on how deep things go. So I love when I have to peer around corners and getting a new land since Galaxy's Edge is the most recent one. I love that there was also multiple ways for me to get to the same space. Right. Because mm-hmm. that makes it feel big and adventurous. And yep. the first time that you go there, you go, oh man. I really want to go into the marketplace. I really want to go into the shops. Mm-hmm. But I also want to see what this building looks like from the outside. <laughs> and I literally remember turning around to everyone like, you guys want to go in the shops? Like, yeah, let's go in the shops. I'm like, but promise me that we'll walk back the other way. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to walk back this way. Yeah, I have it in a different way. I have perfect sight lines. And then I said, should not be able to see out. And I think that that is also true for yes. shouldn't be able to see the next part of it. So let's look at other lands. Pixar Pier is a, is a perfect example of the whole thing is not only visible from the Paradise Garden side, mm-hmm. but once you're on the bridge, you can see the whole thing. Uh, Adventureland is a very nice decorated hallway. Yes. But when we look at lands like Tomorrowland, mm-hmm. because Space Mountain is recessed, you know, you kind of come into it, you come down the stroller corridor, junk alley as I refer to it, <laughs> and you can't really see what's in all the different directions. Yes. Uh Fantasyland, because it has Small World on the other side of Casey Jr., Mm -hmm. and you have Alice's Corner, and you have Matterhorn as a part of it. There's so much discovery in there. It's like its own little village. Uh, But unfortunately, you know, Frontierland is just sort of a a, a straight corridor. Uh, Critter Country is just a a Mm cul-de-sac. And, you know, here's a land that has some of this, but it's still far from perfect. Hollywoodland has, over in DCA... You can't see it all in one shot. Yes. You do feel like you're in there, but the sight lines are not good because the theming just kind of turns on and off. Mm-hmm. Right? So just because you have it doesn't make you a perfect land. Yeah. It's like, uh, I think we discussed before how if you look at the Hollywood uh, Tower of Terror at Walt Disney World, how it's at the end of Sunset Boulevard. Yeah. And that is like it was built for that corridor right. as opposed to having to make that right turn while the sense of well I do get appreciation for that like turn and then oh my gosh you're staring up at you know the collector's fortress and it's like it's an awe inspiring thing I also love the 
sense of like dread and doom that comes from this creepy hotel all the way at the end of the uh, the street. So it's like you kind of play around with both of those. But I I, I I do have an appreciation for when you don't see it. It's almost like I, I would wish that if you were going to Guardians of the Galaxy, you couldn't see it at all, period. And then it almost hit, it almost like slaps you in the face when you make that right turn. Well, you know, they did a, an amazing thing with Soren. It's so recessed down into the ground mm-hmm. that if that thing was just sitting on flat earth, it would be almost as tall as Guardians. Yes. Which blows your mind how big <laughs> that building is. So the fact that they dug a basement, which, by the way, if you don't live in California, basements in California is a whole oh, or whole ordeal. Um, but although I feel like pretty soon over on my live stream, I'll be discovering the unseen tunnels of Disneyland. <laughs> <laughs> Can't stop me. I think it was a friend who mentioned if you're standing outside of Soren. You're about your where your head is or where your body is is about where the third row comes up to the screen. I tell you, if you ride, if you get into the front row, and when you go vertical, if for whatever reason, if you ever get stuck in the far left or far mm-hmm. right seat, if you look over down, your down. shoulder, you're like, we are high. Yeah, we're about like 60 feet in the air. And you don't realize that when you're in that beveled screen, mm-hmm. but when you're on the corner, you're like, this is a pretty, this is high. It's a pretty wild ride. <laughs> So sight lines, a, a curve in the path, that level of adventure, absolutely agree with you. The first one I'm pulling off my list is it has to feel like a moment in time. It okay. has to feel as if this land has a history before us yes, and a future that. after us. You know what I mean? Like yes. It can't be a display. It has to feel lived in. It has to have that patina. And really, um, almost every land really has that in Disneyland proper, except for Tomorrowland. Mm-hmm. And and that one, you have to almost say it's a scratch because it's in such disarray of, you know, every piece is from a different chapter yeah. of its 65-year history. But if you go to any of the other lands, and, you know, let's remove the small world uh, mall promenade area because it's essentially just a big park for one attraction. Mm-hmm. But if you go to any of the other lands, and I'm also going to take Toontown off the list, and and I'll tell you later on why I don't count that, (laughs) because Toontown kind of breaks one of my land rules, but oh, actually, you know what? I'll say it now. Toontown breaks a rule of mine. I should feel like I'm walking into a world, not onto a set. Yes. Does that make sense? That does make sense. And Toontown feels like you're stepping into a cartoon, and it's cute. It has mm. adventure, like the little area where the gel is and all the pranks yeah. are. Such a great place. I wish you could have seen my dad's face when I said, hey, let's go in the store. It's awesome. Do you mind getting the door? I got a drink in my hand. And he opened up the door that electrocutes you. Oh, God. <laughs> the power plant one. He about had a heart attack. He's like, you wise ass. <laughs> I got him so good. So I was like, please don't let a kid run up there and do it before. Do it this. <laughs> and I'm ripping a big drink. I'm like, dad, let's go in the store. It's got some awesome stuff. I got to buy something for Beth. <laughs> And it was on Father's Day. And I'm like, do you mind getting the door? And he opened up. (laughs) (laughs) But I really feel like there needs to be a feeling of a, uh, there's a history there. Mm -hmm. And Frontierland uh, has that, of course. Yes. Uh, Adventureland has that. I mean, a lot of people don't look at the wall across from the Jungle Cruise. No. But it's really, really good. And it's the first like that. That wall is the, the, the blueprint for New Orleans Square, mm-hmm. which is the model for Galaxy's Edge. Yes. Like, that's the hop, skip, and a jump how we got there. So I really feel like that's an important 
part of it. And I think when you go to other um, entertainment-based amusement parks, mm-hmm. they try to make movie sets. Yes, that is true. And, and a land is different than a movie set. Because you can have characters and you have cast members who play a part in this land to where you imagine that they are doing things and existing within this land before you've gotten there. So there needs to be that history. And I'm really curious about how that will play with uh, Avengers Campus because that's kind of taking a little bit of both Mm because you've got this like futuristic side of the Avengers where it's a lot of steel, you know, and uh, a lot of silvers. And then you have the area where with the Spider-Man attraction where uh, Tony is taking one of his old, his father's old warehouses and like almost repurposing that old warehouse to fit where Peter's going to have this adventure. Right. So you got you kind of have to add the the look of this building existing back in like you can imagine. I think it was the the 60s or so and or, or earlier than that if you count Captain America's time period, but that it has that old distressed look along with the way Tony you can imagine has retrofitted it for the future. Yeah, and and I love that, that we're kind of slipping into another one of mine if you don't mind I'm Oh no, yeah, yeah. Cuz it really it, it it comes up to this one. Uh, it I feel like a land needs to feel uniquely Disneyland, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and the reason why I say not a movie set because if I go to something I'm like, oh, I just stepped into Batman's cave. Yes, that would feel awesome, and I would love to see what that's like, and I'd love even more to drive the car through the waterfall. But <laughs> what I love about Galaxy's Edge in New Orleans Square is that you create memories for that land. Mm-hmm. So when everybody's like, oh, I really wish Star Wars would have been something from the movies, I, I tell them, I'm like, no, you, you don't, because then you would have felt like you walked into the movie set and, and you kind of get that rush one time. Like, going into the Falcon feels special, but it feels like you're in the movie. Mm-hmm. But roaming around Batu, I now have unique memories associated with Batu, which yes. the, the goal was for us to create our own Star Wars stories. That part is special with Galaxy's Edge because that was, like you said, it's such a huge thing of people uh, really like that was a big thing. I need to blow up the Death Star. I need to walk into that cantina specifically. But then you're you're living out the adventures of things you've already seen prior and you get so much, so many more great memories creating this new stuff and the characters and the cast members do a great job of adding to that environment to where you're creating very specific memories but within a Star Wars world so that exploration almost pays off like double because you're getting this like new sense of traveling within this realm that you feel familiar with but it's all new so like it doesn't have to be that cantina but this feels very familiar to a cantina I'm you know, I'm very like knowledgeable about. And you know, that's a weird thing where when you're an artist, you have to trust your instincts and you have to, you, mm-hmm. you want to make your customer happy. Like Disney absolutely wants to make their guests happy. Yep. But they also have to ignore their guests a little bit because they're the professionals and they know more than the guest does. And I'll explain that to everybody. Oh, it sucks. Every ride has to be IP, builds a land based off IP. Where's all the stuff that I know? You know, like, <laughs> if you love the Haunted Mansion, it's not a, a, a Haunted Mansion from a movie that you've seen. It is a unique... Those are our hitchhiking ghosts. Yes. You see those three ghosts, you know where they're from. Mm-hmm. The idea of going into Galaxy's Edge or Frontierland or New Orleans Square or any of these places, that if there are characters inhabiting those places, 
that becomes unique to that land. Mm-hmm. So I think that it's really important to try to strive for feels unique to Disneyland. It can be from that franchise, yes. but this is an extension of it that you only get to enjoy in our parks. Because if you build a set, you go there once, you get your pick in the spot you dreamed of going, and now the adventure is dead. Because yeah, you, you know exactly what happens in that room. That room's history is already recorded in a movie that you love. You give somebody that's something open-ended, it's now up to you how many times you go there and what you experience. Open the gates, I'm ready to go back. <laughs> What, ready. what do you? Oh yeah, I was born ready. What do you got next on your list, sir? So bouncing off of the one you have, I love when lands create a a story that the guest can get involved in. Mm. So I guess a good one is, if not, if we're not counting Galaxy's Edge, is would be Avengers Campus, where you're going to the guest has a purpose in the land. So while it is lovely, you can say to walk around a European village or walk through uh, adventure. I love when there's a very specific need for the guests to be there, like attractions that involve them. Not necessarily like Buzz Lightyear Astro Blasters where yeah. you're actively participating, but we are going to the fortress because we want to see what Tavon has as far as a collection. While we're in there, right. we get recruited by a rocket to assist. So Isn't we, it weird? Every time we ride these rides, something happens, something and, happens. and we have, hey guys, this is what just happened. <laughs> we need you to do this. But yeah, I, I love when there's a purpose, like they're giving you a reason, like we're, we're being recruited by the resistance. So we're going into this space um, because we want to join up. And right. that lends with that. Now you have that emotional connection of why you're here. I think the fun thing I get, I think it's uh, Universal Studios does this when you're on the Transformers ride mm. and the ride finishes and you come back and they're like clapping for you. And they're like, congratulations, you did it. And you're like. Oh, I was just sitting here. I didn't really do. <laughs> I didn't really do anything, you know. But on the, these other attractions where they're involving you with this story, or in the land where you have a purpose in being there, like I'm going to be, I'm here on campus to learn to be an Avenger, or I'm in Galaxy's Edge because I'm, you know, traveling out of, uh, you know, off planet to visit, or I'm on like you've mentioned a uh, adventure through the jungle, you know, a vacation I want to take. I love that they have, you know, purpose. And the characters and the buildings and the food all lends to this story of you being here. They, you know, they tell you, um, you know, good luck off planet or you're on your way to being an Avenger. Like you are, you're moving forward kind of like with your last point. There's a story that's moving forward that you're a part of and they've created a space that like weaves you into it. The workaround with Avengers Campus is really clever in that those movies are cinematic, big action, can skew to violence, even though it's superhero movies, so you don't really feel like mm-hmm. anybody gets hurt. So the idea that it's a campus and we're getting recruited and training, yes. that opens up so many storylines and really justifies about anything that they want to put in there versus making a movie set where you go through and this wall turns over and this thing catches on fire. Like It was a, a lot, I think it was very smart to skew in that direction mm-hmm. and to not try to do what they had just done with Batu and create a living environment. Yeah, they could have just said, oh, you're going to the Avengers campus to visit them. It's like, no, no, we want you to actually join us or help us with becoming an Avenger, with being a part of these missions. And that adds that extra level of emotional emotion to you because I think when we watch Marvel movies, you know, you're either the person that's, if you're in a Marvel movie, you're either 
the person running away from getting blown up by a building, like the just a random person, right? Or you're actually a hero or a villain. You know, right. the regular folk you could say in Avengers movies don't really have stakes in it. They're just kind of so. Of course, we. It's cool to watch Spider-Man, but how much cooler is it to web-sling with him? Right. Mm -hmm. And to get put in a position where you're recruited to help. Because I have a feeling on that attraction, something goes wrong, and now we have to do our part. (laughs) Next on my list, I have, I think that a land, to be a good land, to to be fully fleshed out, Mm -hmm. it needs to have more than one attraction. Yes. And preferably... It's one of mine. More Is it? (laughs) Yeah. And preferably more than one signature attraction and i got Mm -hmm. two examples for you frontier land ultimately just feels like something we're passing through Mm -hmm. because it only has big thunder mountain which technically feels like it's on the backside of the land right like there's the 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 theming kind of stops then you're over in big thunder territory so in a way big thunder kind of feels like its own thing and then another example of this i have even though uh Radiator Springs has three attractions. Mm -hmm. It really only has one signature. And, oh, is it a signature attraction? Mm -hmm. But I think that a Radiator Springs would be so much better if the two rides were traded in for a nice B-level, like Smuggler's Run. Yes. So when we look at things like New Orleans Square or Galaxy's Edge, again, for this new land design, because the days of Tomorrowland and Fantasyland are done. done. Yeah, we're not going back there again. God doesn't have that much land. (laughs) Uh, Those days are, are, are done. So, you know, I think your expectations moving forward in the future are two to three. And Avengers Campus should have opened this summer with one attraction, one experience, right? Yeah, that was going to be my actual next thing because if we end up getting the uh, that Avengers e-ticket that comes, then you've got because they're counting Mission Breakout as part of Avengers Campus. Oh, you're getting right, right, right. an e-ticket in, Gar- in Guardians of the Galaxy, the mega hyper e-ticket in the Avengers attraction, then you get your, like your, your D-ticket Spider-Man re- attraction, mm-hmm. and that gives you a lot of balance across the land where you've got only three, but all three of them play a very big role in adding not only like capacity to the park, but different experiences. Or I think, I'm trying to think of the name that Disney called it, like a four-quadrant ride where mm-hmm. you get something that uh, you think of the four quadrants are kids, like ages, you know, like toddler to like seven, eight years old. Then you have like the young teen or young adult. Then you have the adult around our age, and then you have like the senior citizen person, where a land is capable of satisfying all four of those with the type of attractions and experiences they have in there. So you don't have the one, you don't have like the Six Flags mentality where I can't yeah. take my three-year-old or my right. grandma there because right. they're just going to be sitting on a bench the entire day. And I think that's why a land like uh, uh, New Orleans Square is so successful because mm-hmm. two of the greatest e-tickets of all time, yep. two of the most family-friendly, timeless attractions of all time. Sitting just a stone's throw <laughs> from one another, but you know, I, I guess I'd never really thought about what that's going to feel like. That e-ticket in uh, Avengers Campus, it will happen one hundred percent. There's n- no doubt in my mind. I mean, it will get probably pushed off like a lot of things yeah. will, but that will one hundred percent happen because they're already building a facade for that, and I don't see how they go that far and back out. And also, I don't really see how they take that. You know billion dollar franchise yeah. and just give it 
that. Yeah, that was that was my. I was waiting for you to say it. That brand is so strong that you don't just stop with it. Like there's yeah. no way you stop. Like if anything, they continue on that wasn't done. It's going to be the things that they know they're going to get guaranteed, just absolute guaranteed business out of pumping a lot of money into a signature attraction like that. And Marvel's not slowing down. Like they. They no. have their next slate of like six movies, you know, getting ready to come out. Like that is a train that is doesn't stop. You can't stop it. And, you know, in many ways, the Marvel franchise is a much more successful franchise than Star Wars. Mm-hmm. So therefore, um, Galaxy's Edge is good where it's at because it has a little bit of room for improving. Like I broke down how they could do uh, a restaurant, maybe yes. a restaurant and a bar if they go two tiers, two levels. There's a little bit of room where they could creep in and expand it. They're holding on to a little bit of land, but I really, in my heart, want to believe that at some point we'll see Avengers Campus cross on the other Other side side. of... Mm -hmm. Is that Sunset or Hollywood that runs through the middle of Hollywood land? Uh, Hollywood Boulevard. Hollywood Boulevard. I see it going on the other side of Hollywood Boulevard and getting into that area because I continuously look at at Hollywood land, that side of it, Mm -hmm. um, the, the side that's facing Disneyland. And I just think... I have a hard time trying to figure out what you could put in there that would be more valuable than Marvel. And that's the only way that Marvel could grow, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, I know there is a a parking lot that sits behind Luigi's that they could snake around into. Yeah, like right behind Mission Breakout and Luigi's is the last of the Timon parking lot from the old days that would be right where that Avengers e-ticket would go. And then after that, you've got Literally, Catella is right there. Right. And then the service roads for Disneyland trucks to, you know, bring materials, you know, restock stores. So that that's it doesn't go any further than we that. We could also buy, is it the Alpine Hotel that sits right there? <laughs> yes. I'll buy that for a dollar. I'll buy that 7-Eleven. <laughs> the world doesn't need that 7-Eleven. The world needs more Marvel. Needs more Marvel. No, I... <laughs> I really think that that is a smart place for that to go. A lot of people were like, oh, its own gate, its own gate. And I think that that, I think a third gate is going to be really next to impossible in Anaheim. Yeah. I think we're looking at land design. You know, I really like Bob Iger's commitment to say, hey, everything that's on resort belongs to our guests. Yes. We can always buy some space in Fullerton. And we can always ship things down at midnight when there's no traffic and mm-hmm. load it in the back. Like, we can do all of this. So I really love the idea of giving the guests all of the, the, the resort footprint, which means that a lot of what we're talking about today is the future of Disneyland because these creative workarounds like Cars Land, Galaxy's Edge, Avengers Campus, it's doing the most in such an interesting plot of land. Yep. You know, it's not the Star Wars Hotel out in Walt Disney World where you just have an open plot of land. You can make everything as big as you need to make it. You know what I mean? Like, if they need to add on to that hotel because it's a massive success, no problem. They yeah. got the room. They got the room. And in many ways, that's why I love Disneyland because being a designer, being an artist, being a creative is about creative problem solving. Yep. And I love that Disneyland has to do that at all times. Moving on to our list of of, of uh, 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 things that make the perfect land, the last one was needs to have more than one uh, signature attraction. And I also say that it needs to feel inhabited. It needs to feel like mm-hmm. people live there. And a perfect example of this, again, is Hollywood Land. You know, it has some storefronts and it has some buildings, but it never really convinces you that there's like something happening top level above you. Yeah. Whereas Adventureland, and it's a shame that Disney doesn't do this, 
it wouldn't take much for there just to be people that are just coming and going from Frontierland or Adventureland mm-hmm. or New Orleans Square to just add that level of making it feel real. Yes. But I don't really see how you could ever make Hollywood land feel real and also not feel cheesy at the same time. So when I think about needs to feel inhabited, let's look at Fantasyland 55 versus Fantasyland 83. And making it look like a European village, a Bavarian cream village, I think is the proper term. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Big old roof full of cream. <laughs> but when you look at what it looks like today, mm-hmm. bro, it blew my mind when I realized it didn't always look that yeah, way. Yep. And I thought, man, out of all the improvements to the park, that's got to be possibly the best one ever. And you think about that, that fantasy land, you go in there to a kid as a, through kids' eyes. Who lives above Peter Pan? You know, who, what, what's on the other side of that bridge? What's over there? What? How's this work? Versus, you know, it looks like a fair. We're used to seeing attractions living inside of a fair. Or no, rides live inside of yes. a fair. Attractions live inside of a house that you have no idea who lives inside <laughs> of the house. Yeah, they do a good job with Fantasyland. And it's, it's one of those things where you think... Um, Everyone likes to talk about how great Disneyland was, you know, back beforehand. But you're like, well, these are really great improvements that have come after Walt's time that add to that. And that would have been a thing he would have been probably truly amazed at to see this like really like specific working village that has, you know, the cast costumes kind of go along with that and the like brickwork, you know, the, the cobblestone, like it feels like really, like really lived in. So amazing. And the way that all the roofs have that like bevel in them like mm-hmm. they look like villagers built them not modern architects in california <laughs> yeah. you know and and i love the idea and disney does this better than anybody i love that every say six to ten feet there's another fold yes right like they take a straight line and they basically make it like an accordion so every six or eight feet that's bending it's going this way and it's going that way and literally when you know when you look at some of these aerial shots that bio reconstruct and mice chat's been putting up it's really fascinating to see how small those facades are and how big the buildings behind them are yeah i mean like the actual showrooms that everything lives in so huge they do such a good job with that and and i i think too what a lot of people don't think about that are you know the hardcore that go to the park you know once a week or once a month or a couple times a year back in the good old days when it was actually there and it was open and it was real uh <laughs> trying not to go down that road too much i'm having a hard time seeing pumpkins everywhere but when you go there for the first time and i'm lucky enough to remember going there for the first time it's good that's good as an adult you feel like you're missing out on so much And that's how it should feel. You should feel like you had an amazing day, but there's still so much more to do the next time you get on a plane and fly to California. And I love that feeling. And, you know, Philander, one of the greatest things I got to do is become a local California resident. I went to the park one day and I just went through my right tunnel and I stayed on that outer edge. I walked in the lap. Did the, the, on the edge. On the edge. Oh, cast, cast members only. Keep going. Did my little dip around. You know what I mean? Like, I literally walked the entire footprint of the whole park one day, and it was so enjoyable. Didn't ride anything. Didn't care. Like, I really just wanted to see how every little piece was stitched together. But your first time, 
you know, you're blazing in and you're going down Main Street and you don't realize that you can't get onto the second floor and yep. you go through Adventureland and, and like all the signs everywhere and all the fake doors and, and up, upper levels, like you just feel like, oh my God, the day's going so fast and I'm leaving so much behind. And that's even compounding on a smaller mind that has imagination. Mm-hmm. So making them look inhabited and like people live there, that just creates that realness that makes Disneyland a city and not an amusement park. That's how they do it. It's a good one. Next one on your list, sir. All right. This one is going to be one where I want to hear your thoughts on it. Oh, I have a thought. <laughs> I don't even know what it is. And I already know I have a very hot take. So a land, lands obviously need food. Yeah. So in your mind, um, when do you decide, when would Bricky decide about putting either a table service restaurant or a quick service restaurant within a land itself? Well, I have on my list... All right. Must have one table service. Okay. Restaurant. So you want at least one. One. To, to make a land feel actualized, mm-hmm. it has to have things to do other than ride and attractions. Yes. And the fact that you can make dinner reservations for New Orleans Square mm-hmm. makes it a real place. The fact that you can make dinner reservations for, you know, uh, Buena Vista Street, Carthay Circle, makes that part of the park feel important. The fact that I can't make any real dining uh, arrangements for Frontierland other than, you know, going through cafeteria style at Rancho Zolo de Loco. <laughs> um, perfect enunciation. Always. It just, it changes it. Yeah. You know, like there are some really good, you know, uh, cafeteria style restaurants there. Mm-hmm. They have better food than what you would imagine. And people that are used to Walt Disney World to come to Disneyland, their number one compliment is always can't believe how much better the food is yeah. here. But I always say to that, you're trying to entertain people from California that are so picky, it's impossible to make them happy. It's also true. You know, it's a, it's a locals park versus a vacation destination. So I think that when we look at places that have like a real reservations, make that part of your visit. That's where Galaxy's Edge has fallen short. Mm-hmm. That's where Radiator Springs has fallen short. You know, the lands that have that are just, in your mind, just a notch above yeah, the rest. Elevated. Yep. And, you know, Blue Bayou at New Orleans Square is such a great place to spend a birthday mm-hmm. or when the family's all together. And that makes New Orleans Square feel so special versus, ah, let's go to the Riverbell ter- Terrace. Yeah, and people have, like, especially with Blue Bayou, they have a thing where they're like, oh, the food or food, this or that, but... What everyone always remembers about Blue Bayou is how iconic the location is. Like, you almost forget what you ate because the food, or uh, not the food, the the sitting there with the pirate sco- boats going by, the fireflies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just that, you know, that, that, <laughs> that like hum of the music mm-hmm. off of the. <laughs> yep. Hey, you know what's amazing though, Philander, is that have you ever rode pirates? Um. What, which one is that one? <laughs> it's the one with the ghost. <laughs> oh, that's right. Okay, I, I got that. I read How that one. How many times do you think you've rode pirates? Oh, my God. Okay, so you can imagine. Let's have say. Have you hit like a thousand times? It has to have been. <laughs> um, you. If I'm doing, let's say, a five day work week, I work. Let's just assume I did three to four tours in a week. I would say minimum low in a week. I would do, what, two to three. Um, Pirates is almost an every time attraction. Like, people will do it every time. So you could say I would, on average, ride it two to three times a week uh, for the past (laughs) uh, nine years, I guess. I'm telling you, man. I have interviewed... 
TV executives. I've interviewed people who have made amazing movies. You're the only guy who has a job. I go, I take that job. I'll take that job right now. I take that job. <laughs> and I think that's that's. I don't mean to tell you that I throw you out the top of Matterhorn Recording Studio. <laughs> Keep the vest up here for but, you. Hey, you might want to stay clipped in, bud, because you could go out that Just window real quick. You could go out the non-Tinkerbell side <laughs> real quick. Yeah, I saw Philander. I saw him flying over Tomorrowland. Yep. And that was right a one-way trip. In, right in the lunch bay. He never launched again. <laughs> yeah, you know, um, when, you, when you're in those boats, though, you cannot hear the restaurant. Mm-mm. You can hear a little bit of clanking of China. Mm-hmm. But when you're in the restaurant, you can't hear the people talking in the boat. The sound barricade in that sound stage is so good. Good. And I really think that that is something that they have really missed out on is including dining with attractions more. Yeah. You mm-hmm. know, like if they did a little bit of that with uh, flows, but nobody really uses that backside yeah. of, the, of the patio. To where you can really like hang out and just see the racers go by. Yeah, that's such a great room. But it's even the outside patio though; it, it's a little bit hot back there. And it's then at hot. night, it could be a little bit like you feel like, did everybody forget about me back here? But <laughs> I, I really do think though that uh, a, a really nice table restaurant, table service restaurant, it just makes a land feel upscale. Now, would you create a land that has? Uh, table service and QSR, or would you keep it, or is that too much, and would you keep it more so table service and then, like, snack locations? I mean, to me, the perfect land, and this gets into a little bit of a footprint, but for me, the perfect land would have a premium place to eat. Mm-hmm. It would have a, you know, uh, on-the-go, sit-down, um, uh, you know, uh, plaza-in type yeah. environment. It would have that. I guess that's what you call that QR code. Or uh, uh, like a quick service res, QSR. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. QR like code. QR code. <laughs> so it would have a QR code and then, you know, a stand or two. You know, a little something for everybody at every budget and every Disneyland agenda. Um, but I, I have to say that, you know, as a regular, that lower level food stuff, it just kind of isn't part of my routine. Mm-hmm. You know, like I'm in it to win it and I love love the premium restaurants uh, just because it just adds such an, an experience to mm-hmm. things you know Plaza Inn is the only kind of like grab and go that, that I go to a lot just because the food's so good yes. and then Bingo Barbecue is its own, own thing its own thing and <laughs> man oh man is that such a great like if in my proposed taste of Main Street, I was just trying to figure out, like, okay, well, Pingo Barbecue's just down that corridor. They could make the skewers and then bring them up to, like... Put Philander on a golf cart, have him drive it out to the hub. Come on, man. Just keep by. We need to uh, call, call the orders, and we need uh, three of the chicken skewers. Uh... Limited menu. Only just give me the pork belly. <laughs> I don't care about everybody else. Just give me the pork belly, and I'll take six of them. <laughs> I'll build my own pork belly over on Main Street. What about you, though? Like, um, you know, you have uh, a different vibe on the park because, you know, you see it through all the guest eyes. Yes. But then you also see it from the the premium perspective a mm-hmm. lot, too. You know, giving um, tours to the, the more high-end clientele yes. what do you, what do you think as far as making a, a landfill balance for uh food offerings it's it's really interesting def- of i'm gonna say it's almost 50 50 guests sometimes are so willing to 
want to be able to see so much of the park, they don't even want to spend the amount of time it takes to do a full full table service experience. Sure. They are coming with the intent of trying to gather as much of Disneyland as possible. Like kind of that uh, that day you and I were talking about, you've got like this amount of time. And because of that, they are like, Ricky, do not take me to like some two hour. Right. As amazing as Carthay sounds, it's taking two hours of out of me, out of you, sh- you showing me Disneyland. So Carthay does run it. at its own pace. Uh-huh. They are not fast. <laughs> Uh, but then you have the people who are, I have sat and sat in a restaurant with them for like three hours and they're totally cool with it. Like they are just, this is, this is legitimately what they wanted and they don't mind the fact that, you know, essentially the clock is still running with me and they're like, this is what we want to do. We want to have this really nice cause that's what they're used to. It's almost straight down the middle. Yeah. And I've had the people that are also so into trying to crush as many things as possible with me that we've only, they've only stopped for the pretzel, the corn dog, and just keep it pushing. Just doing street just, food the whole just, day to keep just rolling. going. Just making sure I eat so I don't fall over mentality. I mean, I understand, you know, it, it, when people are with you, the meter is running. Mm-hmm. And it just depends on how, you know, where you're at and what your, your goals are, <laughs> I guess. Uh, I, I can totally see that. What do you think, though, is from a civilian's point of view, when you're not there with somebody on the on the clock? Like, what do you think as a, as a private Disneyland citizen? I think... I don't think that Disneyland I think that Disneyland has a decent amount. I think California California Vision can use one more table service restaurant. Agreed. I think they both could use one yes. more. Um and I like that. I, I think I, I really agree with you about that experience that comes with it where there now there's something that's you could go to Disneyland tons of times but have never eaten in a table service location. It's like another experience. And then you get even more um, theming and like attention to detail in those spaces as Imagineering has created all this stuff around you as you sit to eat that you can, you know, the stories that Carthay will tell or how great it is to be sitting inside. Like you sit in these restaurants so long that you forget that you're in a theme park because they've done such an incredible job of creating an environment around you that's that you just they've cut out that outside noise. Like I think in Carthay, unless a parade goes by, you you flat out forget. Yeah. yeah, you don't really know that you're there, but I do love some people that you're working or some people that are um, working there will say, hey, there's something happening. Do you want to go out on the decks? Mm. But they don't always offer that. And I've been there before. And I'm like, there's a parade outside and I can't see it. And there's other times <laughs> when they're like, the woman's literally like the parade. And I'm like already gone. There's just like two little smoke clouds. And Beth's like, yep, that's my husband. He's there. Oh, no, he's gone. But you know, when I first started uh, exploring the parks, I remembered like oh now what's in the hotels and started going through all the different hotel Mm -hmm. restaurants and that really upped the whole experience and it really started to make me think of it as the disneyland resort and not disneyland and dca i started to think that the resort is an important part of that that being said steakhouse 55 is amazing Mm -hmm. um i really love storytellers cafe that's a really great recharge in the middle of the day um Help me out here. The Napa Napa Rose. Rose. Napa Mm -hmm. Rose. I've celebrated a lot of big moments in my life there. But there is something more special about Blue Bayou, uh, Carthay Circle, and obviously the club. Because you're Uh, in it. Because you're in the park, Mm -hmm. you know. And there's something about um, going, you know, right outside that window, Fantasmic's happening. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen it. It's fine. I don't give a care. <laughs> oh, 
child Mark Twain's coming by with every part of your imagination you childhood with a silk cloth. I don't care. <laughs> it's like, I'm not worried about it. It's fine. Yeah, who cares? Uh, can I get more bread? That's, what's, that's what I care about right <laughs> now. More bread. bread more table. bread. <laughs> now, I, I, I really think, though, that, you know, I'm, I'm way more on food than I am shopping. Yes. Because food is experiential. Mm-hmm. Shopping is pain. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I also, you know, if I'm being honest, Disney has a really hard time creating merchandise that I love. Yeah. There's like with guys, it's it's a tough thing. Um, they obviously have they are, are fantastic with kids yeah. and fantastic with um, with the ladies. But guys, they always have trouble with because guys um, sometimes it can be very particular about that type of merchandise. And I remember they've they definitely have tried, but it just doesn't stick. Like I remember they really they did in a really great line that was just for men. Mm-hmm. Uh, they didn't make any shirts. I mean, obviously uh, ladies could purchase a shirt if they wanted to, but it was a men's shirt and it was called I don't know if you remember it was called Twenty Eight in Maine. Yes, yes, and that was like a geared, premium. Line, mm-hmm. I for, like that for gentlemen, and yeah. it was and it would like honored old attractions yep. and things like that. Um, and it just didn't stick with it didn't stick around that long. See, I'm looking for simple and understated, mm-hmm. and that's not how they roll. Nope. You know, and it's like you'll see something, you're like, whoa, that the front of that sweatshirt is so great, and then you get there and you're like, but the back is puffy it's, and yeah, it has it's huge, <laughs> it's uh, a big logo on it, or yeah, or it has like rolls gold in the silk screen. I'm like, you know, <laughs> I'm I'm confident, but I'm not that confident yeah. to have rolls gold all over my back. All right, the next one I have on my list here is um, that oh, we already did table service right there, did that one. Um, I'm going to say the next one I have is I love when a land has a hidden gathering spot in it Mm. and what i mean by that is you know what i absolutely adore about uh paradise gardens yes or rivers of america or even in front of kylo ren's ship or over by the millennium falcon in the spaceport i love these areas that people don't understand that an amphitheater was designed into the landscape Mm -hmm. and i love the mixed use of Disneyland. The fact that some genius stood on the banks of Rivers of America that was never intended to do this and goes, yeah, I think we can make this an amphitheater. I think we can make the island a stage. I think we can make the river the secondary stage. Whenever we're showing you something on the river, we're building it on the island. When we're showing you something on the island, we're queuing up the river and we'll just turn this entire walkway into an amphitheater and we will gather thousands of people here every single night twice a night and uh, you'll know that it's happening because you'll see a green flare on the other side of the park and hear an explosion <laughs> you know what it is you can <laughs> well, point out the exact fantastic <laughs> pirate ship just rolled up i've mentioned that to so many people because the hollywood studios and walt disney world they built an amphitheater for phantasmic there and it's just not the Cheating. same it's not the same to know that all of that stuff is hidden in the ground all day long and yep. you can and it's what you've mentioned time and time again about the use of space and creating an, an entirely stage environment and they let you play on that island like oh. prior like you could almost imagine like we use this island just for shows now so you're not allowed to go on anymore and you would make sense the fact that every day you see like Metallica's rolled crew. Mm-hmm. They wear their black polos and their gray yes. pants and the yes. black shoes and the black hats on. <laughs> they have leather gloves on. Looks like Metallica's getting replaced. No, it's just fantastic. Yeah, we're just going to go over there and we're going to build a dragon. <laughs> we're going to set dress two boats that you rode on all day. All day long. Like the fact that Fantasmic happens in an area that it was never designed for, yeah. that is the de- genius 
of Disneyland. Mm -hmm. And that is what makes me love it. And I love taking people to the park and just standing right there in the main bend of the river and say, you're standing in the amphitheater. Here, here, and here, speakers are going to come out. A cast member is going to hop on and ride up to yep. do their part of the sound mix. Over there is where front of house is. Up above pirates is where the, the main mix is going to be at. Mm -hmm. Like everything around you right now, you have no idea you are standing in an amphitheater. Yep. And then I explained to them, and Walt Disney World, this just happens in a warehouse. That's not magic. Mm -hmm. That's practical. It's practical. I don't want any practical magic. I want real magic. <laughs> real magic. And I want it now. It's like the same with World of Color. Ugh. Like, a, an incredible show that amphitheater like you have no purpose of going down there until it's time for showtime other than get your mickey pick that's fair that is fair <laughs> <laughs> but here's another amazing genius that we don't know their name at disney the man or woman that was staring at mickey's fun wheel and goes you know people stand here for like 45 minutes mm -hmm. why don't we turn that into a simon says yeah why don't we turn that into a Simon Says? We'll put a code up there. Whoever can decipher it, quote unquote, fastest on their iPhone, they get to, play it. They get to control the lights for 60 seconds. Like, I mm -hmm. love that kind of problem solving. Mm -hmm. And that truly embodies that it'll never be done. Yeah. You know, because you can always think of the next little thing like that. So that gets me into always looking at a land for its ultimate potential. And, you know, when I walked into Galaxy's Edge, I looked at Kylo Ren's ship area and I said, this will be a stage more from the little show that they do right now. Yeah. Like I was thinking tomorrow night, that was going to be the galactic dance floor that they promised us. Ah, okay. You know, I was th imagining that there'd be some sort of show there, but also when you step over into the spaceport where the Millennium Falcon sits, the spaceport has, as I've been able to count, at least three different stages oh, all yeah. around you. Mm -hmm. I want to see those come to life. You know, and so I love now with um, um, Avengers Campus that that process is happening again. Yes. You know, we're seeing that there's walkways, worst kept secret ever is the flying Spider-Man. <laughs> you know, the, the building that's just going to be a facade for maybe the next decade, who knows? Mm -hmm. You know, that is also a big jungle gym for a show that we're going to watch. Yep. Like, I love the idea of them putting the 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 shows up above in the time period of a selfie, everybody gets the perfect pick because nobody's standing in the way. That's right. So I really think to make a perfect land, it has to have show designed into it. Mm -hmm. Even if it's something as simple as where Route 66 and Cross Street meet. And, you know, remember when DJ used to come up there? That's right. Dude, the chicks love DJ. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I, I don't have kids have no intention to have kids mm -hmm. but i would always stop and watch the kids have so having much a, fun having a ball having a ball dancing with those the waitress mm -hmm. and and uh dj out there who you know, i love this mohawk around the halloween oh time. my gosh i'm missing all my crews and her pirate hat so yeah. I, I i really i love the parade route is unassuming you know what i mean it, it's that moment also too that the parade comes and then it just goes yep two people like it never happened two people holding a rope and then boom vanish it's like how do they do it and if you show up even five minutes after the facts you didn't even know that it happened no you would have no idea no and and I, I i really appreciate that so when i think about perfect land design i think about how does it have that entertainment in it um and all the best lands really do have that type of thing except for some of the older ones because mm -hmm. they're just working on a different time yeah. piece. did you happen to catch the defunct land video about helix 
Yeah. <laughs> Man, that Tomorrowland space stage mm-hmm. looked so awesome in there. <laughs> that still exists in Walt Disney World, right? They still have a stage in front of they, their space mountain? They... It's it's like a stage. They used to do a show there where Stitch used to talk and they would have dances on it. I believe that stage is still No, I don't think it's there anymore. I think they I, I think it's down now. On my last trip, I don't remember seeing it. Yeah. I, that that was an interesting watch to to see that whole story of how it came together and mm-hmm. it sucks that they only had one VHS recording from way back. like And that was it. Like, nobody stood on the edge of the stage with the camera? <laughs> Come on. Document this stuff. <laughs> hey, what a great time to be a fan, right? With all the great content that comes out on YouTube. Yeah. You know? I mean, they just... There's so much fun stuff that's always popping up. Like, I love the deep dives that... Like, the Funkland. Like, mm-hmm. But that that 90-minute documentary, I'm like, I'm saving that for Saturday morning. Yeah, that's going to be one I sit and have, <laughs> have breakfast and watch. Yeah, it's not like a little 10-minute ripper. You're like, oh, I'm saving a file. I can watch this. Yeah, like, like that one really, really did their homework on this one. Tomorrow night, if you're listening to this live, tomorrow night is Thursday night. It was supposed to be the Star Wars After, uh, after Dark, Disney After Dark party that, obviously, newsflash not happening uh but i'm making it happen i'm bringing it back to life and philander's been nice enough to help me work on a show that i'm doing there oh excited where we are bringing together the fireworks show that was promised to everybody now i don't know if this was the fireworks show we promised but this is the fireworks show that i always imagined i want it there now <laughs> but if you uh if you can show up uh tomorrow night uh, the fireworks will be at 9 30 but the event will go from 7 to 10 just like it was promised on the tickets and uh i can't wait to show everybody my idea of a fireworks display and what i love about that fireworks display philander is I feel like once you study the park, mm-hmm. you realize that there's a style guide to the way that things work. Yes. And you go into a land and you go, they're not doing this now, but I feel like they said, maybe someday we might want to have this just mm-hmm. in case. And one of the things that I I had wanted to happen, but I don't know if this is going to happen now over in DCA, is I've always dreamed of them using, uh, now Mission Breakout, the mm-hmm. old Tower of Terror, I've always dreamed of them using that as a movie screen. Oh, yeah. Because they do it in Paris. Yes, yeah. Paris. Mm-hmm. Because in the Paris part, that's, uh, in their Hollywood studios, that's sort of the castle. Like, that's the yeah, icon that's of the, the park. Icon. And the park just kind of pushes you into that and has a way bigger, like, it's weird to see a tower not in a nook. Yeah, that's it's true. like celebrated, and it has a statue lined up in front of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it has like the uh, old school partner statue, the one that we have in DCA. But um, I had always dreamed that at some point that area would become like a, a Marvel show because mm-hmm. I just want to see a Spider-Man projected on the side of that thing. Yeah, I was thinking in black and white times, not knowing that there'd be a real Spider-Man that flies <laughs> to the sky. But what are you going to do? Thanks, WDI, for that. <laughs> So what do you got next on your list, sir? So next is another food one, and I want a land, and I know you'll like this because you're a food guy. I want a land uh, to have a defining snack. Yeah, that's a a hard thing to come up with, It is a defining snack. So we're thinking the Cozy Cones over Mm. in Cars Land, the Ronto Wraps. I'm a a cone queso guy. (laughs) Yeah, same. It's like a defining snack. The beignets of New Orleans Square, like a defining thing that you know that you can just like only get there that has something to do with the land because of course you get beignets in 
in New Orleans Square. You know, the, the cone-shaped food over in the cozy cone, the the space meat, you know, from... Uh, hey, the Ronto Wrap is great. Oh, it's fantastic. I know they wanted the blue milk to be, like, to be the that hook, one. Mm-hmm. but uh, it's the Ronto Wrap. It's, it's, it's the big win for that land. I remember when we were training for that, and they showed us, they were talking about what it is. I remember looking at it and actively recalling when I first bit into it like there's I did not think that this would taste this good looking yeah. from the picture that they showed me and like the ingredients and what they were going to put in it. It's, it's a really clever dish in that it it, it tastes familiar but looks exotic mm-hmm. and it's different it's a different uh, assortment of things that you would you would never eat a hot dog with a slice of meat on top of it mm-hmm. and you would never use it in a pita and you wouldn't put that slaw on there or the breakfast one is I wish that was an all day banger yeah <laughs> that was so good people I've even had the um, the uh, the vegan one that they did is also really good oh too. really like, oh yeah all three are they they knocked it out of the park with all three of them I do have to say though the Popcorn wasn't, I mean, I'm sorry, sax kettle, uh, <laughs> wasn't really what I was hoping for, and nor was, I maybe mentioned once or twice, I'm not a fan of the milk. Yeah, once or twice. <laughs> once or twice. <laughs> Did you try both of the popcorns, too? Uh, I've tried everything. Okay. Yeah, and I've, I've, I do really enjoy the Docking Bay 7, mm-hmm. and I would like to stress to everybody, if you're looking for a different sort of treat, you can get it a la carte, the blueberry cornbread oh, muffin. muffin. <laughs> Why does that hit so hard? Because I love cornbread, man. <laughs> I'm from the South. I, we used to eat cornbread for dessert. <laughs> a dessert in our house would be a uh, cast iron skillet oh. with cornbread in it, and the way that we would eat it for dessert is you put butter on it, of course, mm, Okay. and maple syrup. <laughs> Blow you away, bro. That... <laughs> To me, dessert is a, is cornbread. So, like, <laughs> when I go into, like, a Cracker Barrel, which hasn't happened in a decade, I'm like, yo, there's just free dessert everywhere. <laughs> just keep bringing me more free it's dessert. Free, yeah, defining snack is kind of a big one for me because that's some, it adds that, like you've been mentioning, the, the other experience to the land. Like, oh, my God, you have to have this. It's only here. Right. You've got to have this. And I'm interested in what it will be for Avengers Campus because they've released images of what the food will be. But I'm wondering what that thing will be because they're talking about, I know everyone's excited for the oddities of like the chicken sandwich as big as your face. <laughs> yeah, the Pimp's Desk Kitchen food that's all that's either really tiny or huge. Yeah, and and it's fun like in a gimmick way of like this gigantic sandwich. But I'm wondering what's the thing that will pop that you're going to hear everybody talking about. You have to get this thing when you go over there, and it'll only be there. Jack Jack Num Nums. That's oh, another one is. that is you know never ride the coaster, always get the treat. <laughs> and you're you're waiting for your family, and you're like, I this I'm smelling this. As soon as Beth, <laughs> as soon as Beth is out of my sight, <laughs> you're in. I'm num numbing, and if I feel like I got a good time, I might rip a second one. <laughs> and I always buy one with a little milk, like just yeah. You can't do a chocolate chip, warm chocolate chip cookie without milk. That's a sin. How do you did the um? Forgive me for not knowing the name. Mm-hmm. Did the adorable snowman frosted treats? It, it, has mm-hmm. that become a thing? Has that really caught on? Because mm-hmm. you know what? I, every time I've walked past it, it's either been like a non ice cream vibe in my mind, mm-hmm. or a line too long. I still have not partaked in that. It it is hit. Um, I think people, somebody haven't tried it, which is one of those things where oh, it's so popular, or it's not popular, no one goes, and it's like this incredibly popular thing. Um, I think it's it's. It's popular, but I th- I can't think if it's one defining thing that's popular because they sell more than just the like specialty one where right. it's the the yellow with the blue where it's like the um, the lemon uh, with the, like the blue slush, slush on the bottom. Yeah, I think people are this just there for ice cream as opposed to all lining up for that one. While you know 
the Jack Jack cookie line, while they have other cookies there, you know which one everyone is in line for. Oh, for sure. For sure. <laughs> Nobody gets the bag of apples. No. <laughs> Bing Bong has those emotional shakes in mm-hmm. there. Or they're slushies, I guess. Yeah, they have like the the unique ones that have like the the candy in them, or like the nerds. Well, and they're so committed to it that it doesn't ever really tell you what the real flavors are. <laughs> yeah. And I like look at it all the time. I'm like, that's I'm trying to figure it out. That's wild. I mean, it's just like you know, it's called a unicorn. All right. And the food looks like it belongs there, also. Yeah. Because you you bring up Bingo Barbecues, of course, someone we walking around. In a jungle area with some meat on a stick. Yeah, like, like it's, a little cut of meat that uh-huh. was just cooked on an open flame, you know? It's, it's pure adventure land. So a defining snack for me is a big one. As we're getting towards the end of our list, one of the things that I love is kinetic energy. Oh, and, yes. you know, it, it's hard to do because every land has its own difficulties. Mm-hmm. But, you know, uh, Galaxy's Edge definitely is lacking a bit of that. They yeah. try to create it with the audio yes. tracks that play over your head. I mean, that does does work a bit, but, you know, Tomorrowland, that's perfect kinetic energy. Mm-hmm. The layering that they have over in Tomorrowland is, is, is really, really great. And you don't always get that. And even though, in many ways, Pixar Pier is not successful as a land, that whole area does have a ton of Canadian. Yeah, it has such a good appeal to it. You know, whether you're on the bridge, whether you're in Paradise Gardens, like whichever side of that circle that you're on is really great. And, you know, I tell you a really special part of the park, too, is the secondary bridge that takes you over to the Pacific Wharf. Yes. Mm-hmm. That is a really nice little vibe there. And the fact that they did two bridges in one spot is mm-hmm. crazy. You can hear we're getting a little bit of heat from the top of Matterhorn Mountain. They're looking for Bricky. Well, somebody just took their mask off in downtown Disney. <laughs> oh, they put it on. They put it back on okay. the, the siren stop. We're safe now. We're safe. Yeah, I, I feel like kinetic energy is one of those things that, like, it's hard to sh- shoot for because, you know, if your land is too isolated from the rest of the park, how do you create that? Mm-hmm. Toontown doesn't have it either no. with it being its own little enclave. Or RIP Jolly Trolley. It, did that ever really work? <laughs> is that just a dream? It, so it did work. But the land is such a small space that they, because they remember they used to have two trolleys running there, and it's and it's such a tightly compacted area that it just didn't work properly. Like people were constantly in the way. It's almost like you. Oh, imagine, that's weird. People just walk wherever they want to Disneyland. <laughs> Said the guy on Main that. Street, <laughs> just jamming that horn. The, 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 the other one. <laughs> oh, that's pretty good. I love that horn so much. The Uga horn. horn. The Uga horn. Ooga. It's on the omnibus. Yeah. <laughs> you nailed it. <laughs> love that horn. And that's the fire truck one. <laughs> yep. God, I miss that. <laughs> I'm telling you, man. Main Street in general, right? We've talked too much, like so much about Main Street. God. If yeah. you and I were Transformers, that's what we would turn into the omnibus, <laughs> the omnibus. and I'd be the little redneck <laughs> convertible. <laughs> Worst Transformers ever. <laughs> It's like jalopy instead. <laughs> yeah, man. You know the the kinetic energy though. It's like not every land has a way to make that happen, mm-hmm. and Toontown doesn't have that. And it makes sense that that trolley wouldn't work because it, it it's a nice idea on paper, going yeah. straight through the middle of it like mm-hmm. that, zooming back and forth. But man, that's the place where kids get to rip. Yeah, and that's going right through the middle of it. Mm-hmm. What do you think about the? third attraction that was canceled from Galaxy's Edge where you would get to take the tour on oh, the, the, like the Bantha, the, the creature. Bantha, yeah. 
That one, even now I'm trying to, when people bring that up, I wonder with the land of the land as it is, where it would have, like, how they would have had that set up with a queue and whatnot, but that I think would have solved a part of the kinetic energy where you've got this this thing that's moving throughout the space, and it's not something as dynamic as a, uh, like a ship or uh, an attraction that has, like, a, like, it's a vehicle, but I think seeing creatures and things moving uh, would have helped out with that a lot because if you're trying to create a, an environment where it feels right. alive and busy, like I always love that, how busy Adventureland feels all the time because it's small also like adds to the land itself because you imagine this like jungle marketplace to always be teeming with people all the time and the amount of people in there almost like add to that because it shouldn't look vacant because right. the places like that never do. Well, that in the uh, Bermuda Triangles in front of Indiana Jones. There's just I, like right now the park's closed and there's, there's still there's still there. hundred people standing <laughs> in that one corner. I mean, always walk around. And, God, of all the places where you have to like, that's it. Like question your life. Uh huh. That people love that spot. Like I literally think that in Lost, that's how they were going from our dimension to theirs. <laughs> that plane flew right into that part, into of, that Disneyland, part of Disneyland, and now they're in Hawaii somehow. <laughs> Yeah, you know, um, one of the things that I have on my list is a land needs to have a fast lane and a slow lane. Yes. There mm-hmm. needs to be a way to rip through it and to get through it and or, or to go through its many portals. But there also needs to be... The take it easy area. Needs to be those tables outside of Docking Bay 7. Uh-huh. You know, there needs to be uh, Fanta- or Fantasia Gardens over in Fantasyland where you're mm-hmm. sitting out on the old boat dock or up on the Small World Mall. Like, there needs to be those spots where you can just sit and watch it all go by. And then there needs to be the spot where you're like, I got five minutes to get yeah. ready to, you know, because you're either... You're doing one or the other at Disneyland. Yeah, it's one of the two. You're either like grinding to get to the next place or you're just sitting back and watching it all go by. Mm -hmm. And so a perfect land gives you the opportunity to do both of those things at once. Like the Fowler's Harbor, like I love that Galaxy's Edge still has those type of empty spots. Yes. When I, like this is where my, my love of the park is. When I finally get into Avengers Campus, thank you for inviting me for the early preview. You're welcome. Um, that didn't really happen. Uh, <laughs> don't want to start a false rumor. Everybody's desperate for some Disney <laughs> news. Anything. Hey, I heard from this podcast that I, three other people listened they to. They were in it already. They were in the picture with Josh tomorrow. <laughs> I, I'm i going to go right over to the Captain Marvel area. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, 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 no. Is that his name? No. Oh, the uh, uh, Doctor Strange. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Doctor Strange area. I'm going to go right over to the Doctor Strange area. I want to see what that looks like the most. Mm-hmm. I'm the most intrigued. Intrigued by that. How, you know, I'm sure the attraction will be fun. I kind of have a vibe where it's at. The restaurant will be fun, but the the consumer nature of that stuff, I kind of get there when I get there. Mm-hmm. But the Doctor Strange show, the interactive area, the forest they've had a to, to put over there, uh, the decaying, like, yeah, sort of... Ruins-esque. Yeah, yeah, the worn, torn, uh, war-torn area. Like, I, that's the area that I beeline to, to see what this looks like. I, I, I can't wait to see what that looks like. Especially at night. Oh. <laughs> Your favorite time with that desk. Uh... I'm going to just be over there doing these circle motions, <laughs> seeing if I can open up a portal. Somewhere. Oh, no, I ended up in front of Indiana Jones. <laughs> <laughs> How did that happen? How did I get there? <sighs> What else you got on your list, sir? All right. So this is another good question for you. So we, of course, as you've mentioned many times before, uh, Disneyland is a business. Yes. And this business needs to make money to create these dreams. Walt has been quoted many times saying that. Um, where, how do you, what do you do for the gift shop? Mm. So are you an 
exit no. out of the intro. Okay, no. so you don't you don't want that. That is poor taste. That is poor taste. You want a gift shop, but you don't want it to be attached to an attraction. No, I don't. I I love what they did with Doc Ondors. Mm, yes, uh, a, a shop that or the Gag Factory mm, in Toontown. Yeah. Yes, the, or you know you don't have to go through it. But the Jared Marioma shop outside of it's a small world. That, <laughs> oh my God, I'm going to call it that from now that on. That tent, the Jared tent. <laughs> I swear, if they were going to bulldoze that thing, he would chain yeah, himself like, to a column. He's like, you will not. No, not my royalties. <laughs> Whatever you do, don't take my royalties. Um, I like those type of shopping experiences. Yeah. I also enjoy... Uh, the shops, the style of Frontierland and Adventureland, mm-hmm. you know, those two shops, how you can kind of go in and you pop yeah. out in the other land. Mm-hmm. I like when a store feels like real retail. Mm-hmm. I do not like being forced to go through a store. That's, yeah. Like one of the worst exits is Star Tours. Oh. To the point where. George Lucas special. To the point where it, it makes me not want to ride the ride. And it's a ride that I love. Yeah. But I do not enjoy the load in and load out of Star Tours. I always get off of it in a high, and then that high is just smashed when, you when have I'm like squeezed you know, everybody. Buddy, we only said one thing, but I want this uh-huh. and that. Like, oh come on, buddy, just <laughs> just just get it. I know you're eight, but grow up. <laughs> <laughs> so, exit to the gift shop. I I'm not a fan of, and I do like themed carts. Yes. I think themed carts have a really cool way. You know, once again, I think Galaxy's Edge handles uh, shopping really well. And also, you know, it's not my type of shop, but the the higher-end woman's boutique in New Orleans Square. Yes. The perfumery and the uh-huh. crystal shop. Those are very bizarre amusement park shops. Yep. I don't know what their bottom line is, but I love that, that they, they're there. They exist. Because they make it feel real. Mm-hmm. And, brother, that's everything that they did over in Galaxy's Edge. Like, Galaxy's mm-hmm. Edge is such a cover band of New Orleans Square that mm-hmm. it's not even funny. It's it's the blueprint, and I've preached to everyone time and time again that New Orleans Square is the greatest land of the Disneyland Resort, like, without question. Yeah. Just A-plus is literally everything it does. And it, it's also um, an interesting land that it it shares every border with something else, whether it's the train, rivers, adventure land, mm-hmm. critter country. Like, it's just, you kind of just, you're in it. And then you're kind of just out of it. But when you're there, you love being there. Um, you know, the Christmas show. I, Christmas show. I love that kind of type of atmosphere, too. Mm-hmm. Or then the the Mad Hatter around the bend there. Like mm-hmm. I love stores that have like a very designated purpose to them. Um, I enjoy that so much more than it just feels like Disney department store. Yeah. It kind of has a variety of everything. It's like the one that feels like it's at the mall. Yeah, I like that when it feels like, oh, this is where you go to find like an upper tier mm-hmm. men's item. This is where you go to find a t-shirt. Like I just kind of like that theming more. Um, but the 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 exit through the gift shop, it just it really cheapens the experience. Mm-hmm. You know, because forcing people to go through retail it's it's just not a desirable way to enjoy something like that because yeah. that's what people expect. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people go to Disneyland with a chip on their shoulder. They're just going to take my money. All my money, yeah, yeah. $6 for water. Mm-hmm. And I, I hate that those type of things validate that type of visceral yeah. reaction that some people have. Where they're for. looking for the money for it. Yeah. It's nice knowing that there's actually not that many. I think that people go with the mentality, but if you actually count them, Per like attraction, it's it, there's not a lot of them. It's it's a very small amount, but I feel like everyone goes in with that mindset. Yes. So it seems like there's so much more. Like um, a thing that 
parents always loved that I would do when you exit uh, Buzz Lightyear Astro Blasters. They have the you know the dual path where you can leave without going through there. Yes. And I always veer them to the right, and the, you could see the kids like, oh, this is my time. You know, and I was like, nope, we're gonna go this way because we're gonna keep going here. But on Imagineer Monday. You pointed out some good reasons to go into that That's shop. That's true. There's some good <laughs> history in there. History. Some good history in there. <laughs> yeah, and I also, you know, we're not seeing Exit Through the Gift Shop as a trend anymore. Mm-mm. There was a certain regime that really liked that. Oh, yeah. That storm has passed. It's passed. And we don't see that. You know, there's none of that with Radiator Springs. There's none of that with um, uh, Galaxy's Edge. All the shops are voluntary. Yeah. <laughs> no more your choice. No more forced shopping. No more forced shopping. The last one I have on my list, and this is kind of an odd one, but I love when a land has a landmark that's not an attraction. That's That was one of mine, too. Is it really? Uh-huh. I thought that was going pretty obscure. <laughs> I love when a land has something that you go and you celebrate just because it's part of that land. Yes. Um, and I really... When I interviewed Raleigh Crump uh, last summer, I really wanted to try to understand how he felt about Tower of the Four Winds mm. not making its way back from back. New York. Because I really try to imagine where that would live in Fantasyland. Yeah. And I've only ever been able to come up with the, the idea that it would probably be over by the Phantasmic or the Fantasia Gardens area. Yes. Because you would need Matterhorn to sort of block it block it out. Because mm-hmm. you said it was, is it like, was it 40 feet tall-ish? Yeah, it was pretty tall. Yeah, it's big. I mean, and 40 feet tall in Disneyland's a lot bigger than you think because yeah. a lot of things are, you know, with the forest perspective. It's halfway to the castle almost. Yeah. <laughs> so I I think that um, a landmark, you know, whether it's a, a mountain or an area of rocks, a petrified tree, mm-hmm. you know, uh, an altar from the ancients that we don't fully understand. <laughs> I think that's such a really cool thing to like put a landmark into a land. Yeah, it's like that defined it. So not even necessarily like a weenie, like the castle of the Millennium Falcon, but just like another another like focal point, a strong focal point that almost like beckons you further for you to like go and see. And I like your way of kind of describing it not being an attraction. Like it's it's something that becomes more even than what necessarily Imagineering uh, intended right. to be. Right. Mm-hmm. It's the type of thing where I could tell you, meet me at this. Yeah. And you know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. That makes the park feel real. Yeah. And also, it's the type of thing where if somebody put it on a pen or a shirt or you know a mug or just made a statue of it, you're like, that's awesome. I want that mm-hmm. because most people don't know that that is the elephant light fixture outside of Casey Jr. You made me think of that from the podcast you did with, you guys are talking about tattoos and like uniquely Disneyland tattoo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or that actual, that lamp or yeah. the, the, the stack of elephants. Yeah. Like something that is, would be like only someone that really knew Disneyland would get it as opposed to like, um, just like, Oh, here's the Cheshire cat on my arm. Right. But now it's going to be like, Oh, this is this very specific spire or this is like this little corner, right. you know, that, that really makes it to where it is, um, like only a, like someone who's been a lot and really knows the park would actually get it. It's almost like that, like inner club of Disneyland fans would be like, Oh, I know what that is. Have I showed you my back piece? You have not. It's the brick pattern wall. Really? No. <laughs> could, you, see that. could you imagine? Now, if you notice these bricks on this set of love handles, these are different than the bricks on these love handles. 
Could you imagine? Worst back piece ever. So you want me to do your whole back in bricks, but you need four different types of bricks. Like, yeah, that's like, going to take a few sessions. And don't forget, I need a water fountain in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know it, it, it's, it's those type of landmarks that make it feel real. And then you can tell somebody, meet me there or go there. And the, it, it's that type of thing that you see it and you know exactly mm-hmm. where that's at. You know, like the, the, the fountain. Uh, in Magnolia Park that sits yes. between the Haunted Mansion and where mm-hmm. Pirate's at. I just love that thing. And I look forever to try to figure out what its history was, what its mm-hmm. resource was. And those are just the type of things that are just special to me because I'm going to be like, meet me at the fountain. And if it's a true Disneylander, you can say, meet me at Magnolia Fountain. Mm-hmm. And I don't even have to tell you in New Orleans Square. Yeah. And you're just going to be sitting there like, where are we going, Bricky? Let's rip. <laughs> I love those spots. <laughs> Wait, what's the last one on your list? Last one for me is going to be I want the land to have a fantastic transition. Mm. So transition land. And I've, you know, you and I talked about this before, about leaving from one land and coming to the other, how WDI is able to to seamlessly blend the two together. And a, uh, God, I'm mean, looking at uh, Galaxy's Edge in Florida and how it's butted up against Toy Story. I do not like that. <laughs> it's, it's rough. <laughs> it's rough. I don't like it coming or going mm-hmm. because... From the way that I understand it from vlogs and stuff is that mm. you're in the Hollywood Studios area and you just go right into it. Yeah. And, and then you're in the resistance side. Yep. And then out on the um, First Order side, you just like go through a tunnel and then there's Tinker Toys around you, right? Yep. Yeah, I really love how ours has those three nice gradients. Mm-hmm. Whether it's the Hungry Bear, tra- oh, slow yes. transition, best way to go for the first time. Mm-hmm. Whether it's the corkscrew coming out of um, Big Thunder Mountain. Or whether it's that sort of that bend in the road where it gets kind of western. Like yeah, They yeah. put a little bit of like frontier land just because it was too early to give you fantasy land. Mm-hmm. Uh, the mountains make a little bit of noise right now. You might hear we're getting some shifting around. <laughs> Yeah, that, that transition. That's I. Ugh, I mean, and the um, the Pacific Wharf to Cars Land. Yeah, is that keyhole there? Yeah, that is unbelievable. Mm-hmm. The Pacific Wharf area is really, really well done. Yeah, I think everyone forgets it, or people joke. You know, the food land. You yeah, because there's <laughs> it's a food court. Yeah, if you don't count. I was like, oh, no, there's attraction there. It's the, you know, the bread attraction. It's like, okay, well, fine. Yeah, there is an attraction there. But R.I.P. free chocolate. <laughs> Giadelli, come back to me. <laughs> Baby, come back. But, you know, that area, it's it's sitting in the middle. And that's mm-hmm. the hard thing to do is to theme something that's in the middle. In the middle, yeah. With the, um, the Chinatown fireworks. Oh, yeah. With the bridge that goes over where uh, the, the, the the bread place goes over to um, Giardelli's. Like, that whole area in there, you know, the, the backside of it, mm-hmm. you know, they could have just butted that up to the parade route, but they put the water in there. They did the, the shipping uh, wharf type thing on the backside of it. Like, they mm-hmm. really did a good job of taking something that's surrounded by other things and making it feel pretty isolated. Yeah. Like, it's, it's actually themed really well, and... You know, another attraction that I don't give a lot of love to, but, you know, Grizzly Peak. Yes. You you, you slide into that area, and when you are back there, you are back there. The rest of that park does not exist no. at all. That's one of those places where you, if you take the right picture, you can convince someone that you went up to visit the Redwoods. Oh, 100%. Like, and, they, and it's totally believable. They would believe you without question. And they were so generous with putting that ba- that inner trail, mm-hmm. right? The inner trail that used to be the Trail of Tears where people would smoke. <laughs> yes. 
Dude, I was doing one of my virtual walkthroughs, and there was people picnicking all the way up to the top of the mountain. I'm like, you are not citizens of Disneyland. You can't. I'm going to yeah. rip that button right off your blouse. And do you remember before when it was Condor Flats in Grizzly Peak, when you yeah. went from the desert to the Redwoods? Yeah. <laughs> Quite a transition. And how hard that was. Quite a transition. <laughs> but now you get that, like, National Park feel all the way down. Yeah. Like, such a great, that's how you've always put it, like, the parks are always getting better. Like, you know, we almost accepted it as, okay, fine, desert, and then, but like, hey, let's find a way to blend these two spaces together. And now you get this incredible transition where they have like the, the quotes and the, the the John Muir quotes on the, the watchtower and all of the, the like uh, National Park, the station wagon, the, the signs that blend into, they, they put up the um, signs for like, you know, lodging coming up for the Grand there, like just such a great job of blending those two together and you know grizzly peak is one of those things where i love to, to get people on the hollywood side of it mm-hmm. the buena vista side of it and i and i love to stand there in front of the waterfall and go this is a fence a lot of parks would put up a fence yeah or there would be a building that you're walking by that they'd maybe put some signs on in a mural but it would basically be like that aluminum like type steel type you know low cost building you walk past like disneyland builds this rock wall Mm -hmm. and this wall is so important because it creates the discovery for the pier area yes if this isn't here if this is a low sitting building we could see the fun wheel from here you see it from the the front of the park that would absolutely ruin the entire park Mm -hmm. you know now that i think about it that's actually a really well-designed land Mm -hmm. two big attractions Mm -hmm. one attraction could use some theming but it's separated from everything else. It transitions well. Uh, Smoke Jumpers is not a bad establishment. Yeah, it's it services that like grab and go burgers, fries. You know, it's got the old Fuddrucker style <laughs> yes. grab your own toppings. And you, you know, a really good transitional scene from there is San Francisco Street. Mm-hmm. What in the hell happens in San Francisco Street? <laughs> what are what do you do you know? You know what's happening in those buildings. I don't know. I know there's a restroom and I know there's a shop. I don't know what's happening in the middle it's there. Like I need to I need one of those doors to be open one day. I do I mean, if that's somebody's office, <laughs> what a life. What a life to live. Where do you work? San Francisco Street. Where's that? Uh it's outside of uh, Paradise Gardens and it's like right off a of Little Mermaid, yeah. you know, Arizona Sea Adventure. If you go to a grizzly bear shaped mountain, you've gone a little bit too far. <laughs> Just backtrack. <laughs> that's like the our um uh the ladies that are above the opera house, mm. you know, the uh, it's like the um, where people a- answer the phones for Disneyland are up there, and you just you just can't tell when you're looking down there. It's done so well, but you know, utilizing all that space, and so oh, yeah, I work above the you know the old mill in Disneyland. I, I work up there, you know. <laughs> there was a map that um, that auctioned off for like ten grand. Was that from the last the Vanians? Yeah, mm-hmm. from the, the the Disneyland the first sixty five years. Oh, that's right, your video I saw. Yeah, and that map was so cool because it had the Opera House listed as the uh-huh. mill, and I'm like, wow, that's cool Disney history. Yeah, you know. And, I saw this in a couple articles, but there's no photos of it. They said that they built a majority of um, Chicken of the Sea. Is that the name of the... the yeah, the, the, the pirate ship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they said they built a majority of that behind the mill, and then they transferred over there with a the crane. That's if impressive. That, if that's true, mm-hmm. that means that there was a pirate ship flying through Disneyland at one moment. <laughs> you wanna be- <laughs> I want to believe that so much. That's like I remember Disneyland made a big deal when they have to lift. WDI has to do maintenance or work on some of the uh, audio animatronic elephants in Jungle Cruise. And some of them have to be like lifted out 
of there because they can't do work on them there. So they right. will li- you have a, an elephant actively flying over <laughs> Disneyland also. <laughs> Somebody one day was driving to work like early in the morning mm-hmm. and they put up this on Instagram and I got tagged on it and I laughed so hard. It was like... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, Sleeping Beauty's castle just passed me on the way to work today, and it was a couple of the the, the turrets. top turrets uh-huh. that had been repaired offsite, and they were driving, driving them back. back. Like anybody who lives there goes, yeah, that's the top of the castle. Just going, <laughs> just down, going down, the going down harbor. <laughs> Dude, those old photos of a pickup truck with all the 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 Jungle Cruise animals in the back, or like the or pi- the pirates, characters. yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. or or the Mark Twain going down the five, mm-hmm. like those photos are so classic, so Just classic. Kids in an old station wagon, being like, "There's a truck full of pirates going down the <laughs> going by." And I love how you look at it now, like if you're driving now and you saw that same thing happen, because they wouldn't have it in an open truck now, but how much more like eye opening that is. Oh. Because I can imagine a kid not even knowing what it's for because they're right. The attraction hasn't even been either announced or they don't know about it. But now you see, you know, these actively recognizable pirates that you're going by and you're like, oh, my, you know, that's and you're recognizing the actual characters that you've oh. seen hundreds of times. Yeah. Like if they were redoing something like that and it was just going down, you're like those are the hitchhiking ghosts. Those are, like, mm-hmm. I mean, I would be full autopilot video in the whole thing like completely <laughs> car over like you take care of this so there's hondo he's going down the street <laughs> oh, he's in a deal <laughs> he, he's probably trying to negotiate for feet for ariel because he's also that guy too <laughs> i love that that guy's both the smallest animatronic and one of the tallest mm-hmm. all, all in one well philander i think that we brought up a lot of valid points yes for what makes a good land and i'm really interested to see the park at the hundred year mark. I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm really interested to just see it opening. Period. That, yes, I, I, I could stop the sentence there, but <laughs> I really do feel like the evolution of Disneyland is going to be so intriguing because the problem solving is only going to get harder. Yep. Which makes me believe that the detailing and design is only going to get better mm-hmm. because it, they have really lived up to all of these opportunities to say, okay, this wasn't meant to be this way, but we can make something great with this. Yeah. So when I look at Galaxy's Edge, Rivers of America, Cars Land, you know, how Avengers Campus is fitting in Bugs Land. Mm-hmm. That was such a small pass through it. I can't believe kids love playing underneath a sticky Band-Aid and a water fountain. <laughs> like, a Band-Aid and a water fountain is your worst nightmare. And kids are like, yeah, let's rip over let's by the Let's do thing. it. Although, R.I.P. Choo Choo Train. Rest in peace, Heimlich. <laughs> oh, I love the Heimlich maneuver so much. But the idea that they're fitting such a huge property Mm -hmm. into such a tight area surrounded on all four corners. I cannot wait to see the full evolution of that land. Like my heart has to say that this is like beta and that it's going to grow much more beyond that because that is, I mean, that's more money now than Pixar and Star Wars. I mean, that is the biggest franchise. I don't care about your kid with a lightning bolt on his forehead. (laughs) This is the biggest one. Yeah, 23 movies and counting and just billions of dollars. And in in its 10-year run Mm -hmm. of the the first 20-something movies, it's become already a multi-generational experience. And that that doesn't go away. Mm -mm. Well, Philander, we did it. I'm going to Take this tape right now. We recorded this on a reel-to-reel. It's old-timey equipment up here in Matterhorn. I feel like 19, 
Like the, like back in the day, uh, Matterhorn? Yeah, yeah. I'm going <laughs> to take this reel-to-reel. I'm going to package it up. I'm going to send it up to Burbank. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll probably be building a land real soon after they hear all of our great ideas. <laughs> Could you imagine, imagine you're listening to them like, these two dummies. We, dummies. Of course we know all this. Yeah. This, this, is, this is 20 on a 120-point plan that we have for every land yeah, that we build. like the disciplines of Imagineering, <laughs> laying it out. Wow, you guys are bright. <laughs> <laughs> There you go, friends. Another lap out at the park, hanging out in our new recording studios at the top of Matterhorn Mountain. And let me tell you, what a beautiful studio. Full basketball court, full view, panoramic view of anywhere we need to look down in the resort. So if we can't remember something, we just peer out of one of our little looking holes and we can say, oh yeah, that's exactly where that's at. That's what I wanted to talk about. Hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you do, why don't you share it on social media, right? Let's let's let people know about all the fun we're having inside of our Disneyland community. And if you're looking to go to the park tomorrow night, celebrate some Star Wars, celebrate some Disneyland, and hang out with fellow folks that love it just like you do, make sure you head over to YouTube or Twitch at 7 p.m. tomorrow night, Disneyland time. The event will run for three hours. It is absolutely free, as it should be. And you can join me over at Twitch at AID Network or over on YouTube at Adventures in Design. Putting up Disneyland content all the time over on our YouTube channel. So if you want to go over there and hang out and look at the park through the perspective that I have of of loving it and loving it as a designer and as an artist and also as everything good that it represents in this world that could use something that represents good. All right, friends, Jared will be back next week. I'll see you then, unless I see you before that, tomorrow night, when we do Star Wars night. Friend, don't stop believing. The magic's everywhere. You just gotta look for it.